Welcome to Tower Talks with Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast. And now for your weekly recap, a timely review of this week's top headlines and takeaways. Here's your host. Welcome to Inside Towers Week in Review. I'm Leslie Stimson, Inside Towers Washington Bureau Chief. With me are John Salentano, our business editor, Sharp Smith, our technology editor, and Jim Fryer, our managing editor. This episode is sponsored by Inside Towers Intelligence, a quarterly market report that dives deep into the wireless infrastructure ecosystem. It looks at market trends, capital expenditures, relevant M&A transactions, and more. Work on the Q4 issue is going on now. Intelligence is designed for managers, marketers, and investors. An annual subscription also includes an exclusive briefing and online support. For more information or to subscribe, visit InsideTowers.com slash intelligence. So uh, for me, the uh, big story this week was the appropriation for fiscal year 2022. The House and the Senate passed a sweeping $1.5 trillion omnibus spending package. The House passed it on Wednesday night and the Senate passed it Thursday night. It increases the amount of money that the FCC and NTIA get. And the president is expected to sign it. It would be his first major spending bill that he's signing while in office. The FCC is to get $381.95 million, which is $8 million more than the enacted level for fiscal year 2021. And according to the text, the money is to support efforts to expand broadband access, improve the security of U.S. telecommunication networks, and administer billions in COVID relief programs. NTIA is to get 50 million. The bill provides a total of nearly 4 billion for rural development programs. Uh, It says the legislation invests over 550 million to expand broadband to provide economic development opportunities and improved education and healthcare services, including an additional 450 million for the USDA's ReConnect program. The the omnibus legislation went almost 3,000 pages. It's actually 2,700 pages, give or take a few. And Senate Appropriations Committee Chair Senator Patrick Leahy, Democrat of Vermont, called it the largest increase in four years. And Appropriations Committee Ranking Member Senator Richard Shelby, a Republican from Alabama, said during the course of negotiations in the House, he insisted on dollar-for-dollar parity for defense and non-defense increases. And that brings us to a story from you, Jim. Jawohl. Achtung. Deutsche Telekom is uh, rumored to be putting its 40,000 towers, 40,600 towers to be exact, on the block. Um, that is the rumor from uh, a Reuters report from inside sources. And uh, that's significant because uh, Deutsche Telekom is the parent company of T-Mobile. And um, they're actually have a, have a fairly large debt to cover. And uh, they're looking to, as, as a lot of companies do, a lot of the MNOs, do in this situation to uh, liquidate their, um, their their real estate, their vertical assets, 
And that seems to be the case here with the uh, with Deutsche Telekom, who owns towers in the uh, Czech Republic, Slovakia, uh, and they're they're one of the largest MNOs in in Europe. And John, you've done some deep diving on this. Uh, what 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 do you have to add to this? Yeah, you know, Deutsche Telekom is one of the last major um, mobile network operators to still own its own towers. And as you mentioned earlier, uh, it's looking to divest that. I think the price tag has been estimated somewhere around 20 billion. Um, looking to cash those out and then, you know, lease back space on those towers uh, in, in, with the idea of uh, not only paying down debt and reduce its operating costs, but I think it also has indicated it wants to increase its ownership of T-Mobile US. So uh, it, it has a, a, a quite a large portfolio and it would follow, you know, Vodafone uh, uh, who created uh, Vantage Towers in spinning off its tower uh, portfolio. And uh, Celnex uh, was created with a spinoff from Telefonica so it just makes sense. I mean, we, we see um, a number of companies, a small handful of companies circling that have an interest in buying up that portfolio. Um, uh, certainly Cellnex, which already has a, a large, a large uh, operating base uh, and with its build a suit program will you know, we'll reach somewhere around 130,000 towers in, across Europe in the next three to five years. American Tower bought Talese, uh, uh, Talisa's Towers from um, Telefonica and, um, uh, you know, has th about 30,000 towers between France and Germany. So, you know, that would be a major, major step for, for both companies to, to pick up uh, the Deutsche Telekom divestiture. So, you know, I think it's part of the trend. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, it's opportunities for the tower companies. And I think, um, you know, we're, we expect to see more of this across Europe and uh, through other parts of the world, Africa and, uh, and the like. So it's, it's, uh, it makes sense and um, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. And if you're interested in putting in a bid, it's going to probably be around $20 billion. So <laughs> yeah. Green yeah, only the big boys will play in this one, I'm afraid. Yeah, some, <laughs> some tall, tall grass there. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. And John, you're going to talk about digital realty. You know, Towers is in our name, but we cover all aspects of wireless infrastructure, including uh, not, not just towers, but fiber, uh, small cells and data centers. Uh, digital Realty is one of the largest data center companies in the world in terms of numbers of data centers. Um, you know, at the end of last year, they owned uh, somewhere around uh, 287 data centers, uh, and that includes uh, uh, joint venture investments that they have with other companies. But, um, but uh, and they operate, uh, you know, in, in something like uh, over 50 key metropolitan markets in 26 countries, in uh, six continents. So they're they're um, uh, they have a major global footprint. They cater to the largest. Um, uh, cloud companies uh, like uh, AWS, uh, Microsoft, Google. Um, they also um, provide um, uh, data center uh, storage and data processing capability for a lot of large enterprises as well. And, you know, another key aspect of the data center business is interconnection, interconnecting the data centers with uh, major fiber networks. In this case, like uh, AT&T, Verizon, Comcast, um, uh, 
uh, as well as uh, serving a number of uh, vertical markets, everything from financial services to manufacturing to consumer products. Um, the company has somewhere in the order of uh, 35 and a half million uh, square feet of what they call a net rentable square feet, of which about 84% is uh, already occupied. And they have um, uh, uh, several more million feet under development and several more uh, 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 square footage available for future developments. Uh, uh, the company reported uh, revenues last year of around 4.4 billion and it had actually had invested in data center construction, expansion and maintenance uh, uh, with capital expenditures of around 2.4 billion. They're guiding to revenue increases to 4.7 or 4.8 for 2022 and plan to spend somewhere between 2.3 and 2.5 billion in, in capital expenditures um, going forward. There's a lot of interesting aspects to the data center business, you know, when you want to measure, well, how, how big is the company and what does it sell? Uh, really, the two key metrics are um, are the power it provides uh, measured in megawatts and the square footage it provides. And it, it really segments its business in what they call the sub one megawatt category and then everything else in the bigger, uh, uh, greater than one megawatt category. And, uh, and that's where most of their business is. So, you know, we're, we're actually, uh, Leslie, you mentioned the uh, Q4 issue of intelligence coming up. One of the feature stories that we will have in that issue is uh, a bit of a deep dive on the data center business and how it relates to the, the, wireless, uh, uh, the wireless infrastructure business. So stay tuned for that. All right, well, thank you, John. Sharp, I think you're up next. You're going to talk about what T-Mobile has to say about decommissioning some Sprint towers, I think. Yes, Leslie. Uh, this, this occurred at the Morgan Stanley Technology Media and Telecom Conference uh, this week in San Francisco. Uh, uh, Neville Ray uh, gave an, an update on the, uh, the integration that's occurring between uh, uh, T-Mobile's network and, uh, and the Sprint network, which has been going on since they uh, the two merged a couple of years ago, and uh, so it's uh, uh, the uh, the news line the news tag is that the uh, integration is ahead of schedule, and uh, uh, they decommissioned. He said thousands of towers uh, sprint uh, cell sites last year, and uh, uh, 2022. It looks like they're going to be decommissioning tens of thousands of towers, and uh, these are broad, broad, vague numbers, but uh, thousands to tens of thousands, and uh, this will uh, uh, peak uh, at uh, mid-year and uh, close out. He said, uh, uh, "I guess all all things uh, working out correctly, uh, the de the uh, sprint sites will be." Uh, the ones that are going to be decommissioned will be decommissioned by the end of the year. And uh, so what does that mean? Uh, it means uh, they'll be able to uh, deploy uh, their uh, 5G network uh, at, uh, at more sites. And um, there'll, be, uh, there'll be some sprint sites that will be, uh, will be upgraded. And um, if you're uh, if you're a tower service company, you're you're winning either way. You're uh, you're involved in the decommissioning, uh, and you're also involved in uh, deploying the uh, the network for five G for T-Mobile. So you're busy. Uh, 
um, if you're a tower company, you may be um, you may be losing a, a tenant. Uh, so that's sort of the two different uh, aspects of that. Uh, his quote was basically uh, says, as we combine the, these networks, <clears throat> excuse me, and we uh, migrate the traffic, that puts us in the uh, in the position to uh, decommission uh, the sites and as they start quote cutting down the legacy network, unquote. And uh, uh, he went on to, uh, to talk about sort of uh, what, what mid-band is going to look like for the near future. And, uh, and he, he emphasized that it's, uh, it's going to be macro towers and uh, getting the most, uh, uh, most capacity, but, but uh, uh, covering the most pops uh, possible. And uh, uh, I think that uh, small cells are uh, really going to be, you know, on the back burner until they get all of their mid-band spectrum uh, built out to these, uh, to these macro towers. And uh, the quote was, so this, this is a macro build with large volumes of macro sites with very, very deep mid-band spectrum holdings and all the benefits of spectral efficiency in 5G that will generate huge capacity for us so we can drive all of the growth factors. So don't look uh, to, uh, uh, I know T-Mobile uh, uh, promised 50,000 uh, small cells, but it's, it looks to me like the bulk of their money is going to be uh, building macro sites uh, for the near future. And, uh, and he went on to do his usual needling of, uh, of, of, uh, of Verizon uh, for uh, all their work with, uh, with millimeters, millimeter sites. And uh, he, uh, he, he threw out some, some, the, some facts that, quote unquote facts about, you know, just how, how, much, how much it costs to, uh, to build out a millimeter site and how much coverage that, uh, that you can get on that compared to uh, building out to a macro site. And uh, it's, uh, you know, economically, it's, it's hard not to, uh, to see the, uh, the logic in what uh, T-Mobile is doing with their, their mid-band spectrum. So uh, it, uh, it's, an, it's an interesting uh, story. And I think uh, it's, it's really going to, uh, it's really going to work for them, I think, in the long run. You know, Sharp, the, all the tower companies in their quarterly earnings reports have indicated what you, you, what you suggested earlier, that there will be some negative impact on their business while this process is going on, that they, which they refer to as churn. And they all have baked into their forecast an amount of sprint churn as these sites are decommissioned and those leases uh, are expire or are terminated. Um, but I think they're, they're all expecting the, to endure some short-term pain for a longer-term gain. And uh, so it's going to be an interesting uh, period. And we did, do know, as you pointed out, that T-Mobile pulled forward a lot of this decommissioning activity into this year whereas it originally was spaced out over several years. But um, I think they just want to get it over and done with and, and really get on with 
building out their 5G network. When you think about it, Sprint was always a, they were always, well, I wouldn't say always, but uh, for for so many years, it's always been, it was uh, AT&T's uh, building out, Verizon's building out, T-Mobile was uh, building out, but Sprint, uh, Sprint was always, and also ran. And uh, uh, so the, uh, the, the feeling I get is that uh, if things were like they were and Sprint was still a, a carrier, we'd be sitting here going, well, Sprint's not doing anything. So <laughs> I don't think anybody was really going to be a, making any money other than just some, uh, some of the, uh, you know, their, their rent, their, ba- their basic rent, because they just were not moving forward for the last three years or four years mm-hmm. of their existence. Right. Yeah, they were undercapitalized. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, gentlemen. That's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Inside Towers Week in Review. For a complete rundown of the week's news, check out our Saturday edition. We will see you in a week. Thank you for listening to Tower Talks. To subscribe to our podcast, our daily newsletter, or use our other industry resources, please visit InsideTowers.com. Until next time, you've been listening to Tower Talks from Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast.